Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. And special thanks to the Blog Talk Radio team for featuring this show all day today on their homepage. Now, if you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I am also going to open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. Now, following the show, you can continue this discussion on the Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page or at Now, tonight's show will focus on Germans Brown Babies, the Forgotten Children. And I'm so happy to introduce genealogist and search consultant Henriette Kane. Now, for those of you who don't know Henriette, let me just say something about her. She is a wife, a mother, a grandmother of seven, and a great-grandmother who lives in Illinois and Georgia. She's also black, German, and a genealogist. And she successfully searched and found all of the members of her birth family. And after that, she began helping others with their searches. And so tonight's show is a very special show because we're going to talk about brown babies. And for those of you who are not familiar with this term, brown babies is a term used for children born to black soldiers and white European women during and after World War II. So just sit back, listen. I want to ask you to please feel free to call in, and I will announce when that will take place. We will also have three other people who will definitely call in, Peggy Blow, Shirley Gentler-Price, who is the president of the Black German Cultural Society, and Nancy Snyder, who is the vice president of the German Cultural Society. And I'm hoping that Jan Lucas, who's with GI Trace International, will also call in. So sit back again and relax, because I want to bring my special guest, Henriette Kane, to research at the National Archives and beyond. Hello, Henriette. Hi, Bernice. 
How are you? I'm fine, and thank you so much for joining me tonight. Well, well thank you for having at, me. Well, thank you. Well, let's start at the beginning. Now, how did you become interested in genealogy and family history? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. When I was about 12 years old, my parents told me that I was adopted, even though I knew it long before that. Um, excuse me, they showed me a version, a German version of my adoption records, which included my birth mother's information, along with information about my biological sister, and who was, she was one year older than me. Um, uh, When we would go visit family, I'd see how they interacted with each other and see the family resemblances. And it made me wonder if there was someone else in this world that looked like me or me like them. Mm-hmm. So there was little I could do at that time um, because I wasn't old enough. Um, but that's how I got started pretty much, Lee. Yes, when you were 12 years old. So you have yes. real, I mean, you knew for a long time, though, as you said, that you were adopted. Yes, because kids called you names and, you know, said, oh, you're adopted and, you know, made fun of you. And um, so, yes, I did know. Um, and plus, did you know I didn't of look the German like my origin? Yes. Did Pardon? You know of the, did you know of uh, Germany and the connection between Germany and being adopted? Or did you mm-hmm. think that you were adopted by an American family? No, I knew of the origin um, because mm-hmm. kids kind of made um, little remarks about that. Nazi and crowd and um, little names like that. Mm. Um, so yes, I knew you it knew. wasn't a secret. Yes. Yes. yes I well, did. so when did you decide to undertake the task of finding your family? Well, when I had my own, my first child, um, I decided it was really about time for me to go ahead and start looking for my family, especially with your own child. When you go to the doctor, the doctors ask, you know, about illnesses and did this family member have this, that, or the other. And when I was a kid, my when my mom would take me to the doctor, she would always interject with, oh, no, we don't have this in our family or that in our family, and it was always their medical information. Oh. So not knowing anything at all, you know, I thought, suppose my children have some kind of debilitating illness. Um, my son, he was hospitalized um, when he was about a year old. He had meningitis. Um, mm-hmm. So that really started me to thinking so think that, yeah. that I needed to find some information. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was married then, my husband was in the service, and when he got out, we moved to Chicago. He accepted a job there. And when we got settled, I saw um, in the, I'm not sure if it was the Sun-Times or the Tribune, there was an article that um, helped people with anything that they needed assistance with. Mm-hmm. So um, in the meantime, I had asked my adoptive parents for my um, information, and they told me that it wasn't available. Um, so when we went for a visit, I did go into where they kept their records um, and got everything that I needed. So I was equipped with names. So I contacted the newspaper. 
Um, and within two weeks, they sent me my sister's name and her contact information. So I wrote her a letter in Germany and, um, you know, told her who I was. And within a couple of weeks, I received a reply from her um, telling me that, you know, she knew about me, but she didn't know how to look for me or what had happened to me. So mm-hmm. there, therefore, that's where, that's how it all started. Um, and after being connected with her and we started communicating, she sent me um, a, a German record um, that was called the Geburtskunde, which is an acknowledgement of birth that was filled out by our father, stating that he was the father of my sister, and it included his full name, his date of birth, his RA number, which they were using before Social Security numbers, his home record address, and um, um, I think that was pretty much it. But it gave me everything I pretty much needed. However, he had a very common name, George Johnson. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it took me a long time to find him, but that did get everything in motion, you know, after I contacted my sister. Let me take it back a step because you're in in America, but Mm -hmm. you wrote a letter to a newspaper. Where was the newspaper located? In Chicago. In Chicago. The Chicago Tribune. Okay. Or the Sun-Times. They had had a column in there. Um, at that time, that was in 73. I didn't know how to go about searching or do anything um, along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I had them do it for me, and, and they were correct. They could do anything, um, look for anybody, or pretty much solve just about any situation. Um mm-hmm. Um so 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 they connected you by putting this in the in the newspaper your sister in Germany found out the I'm trying to flow this Oh okay <laughs> so I guess I'm I didn't make say, myself how, clear okay how did your sister in Germany end oh. up getting a letter from you Okay well I sent the letter to the um, newspaper, and they handed it out to one of their specialists, whoever, maybe they must have contacted the German consulate, um, and the German consulate found my sister. Okay. Um, Okay. So if you needed a plumber for something, you know, they, or needed them to resolve a dispute or something, you know, they handled that, Um if you needed them to find some specialty item in Turkey or something, they could probably do that for you. And my particular situation was I needed, I was looking for my sister, and um, they found her for me. Okay. And then after, so you connected with your sister, and Mm -hmm. then what happened? Um, She wanted me to find our dad, um, because she felt as though he really cared about her. She was under the impression that he had come to Germany to visit with her, um, and she wanted to to connect with him. Um, Mm -hmm. And all the while, I was also looking for our birth mom. Um, So it took me, that was 
73. It took me until like 85. It took me about 11 years to find um, my birth father. Uh, He had moved to Miami. um, And I did find his brother, my uncle, with whom I'm in contact now, but for some reason, I don't know, and I'll never know this for sure, because my birth father is deceased, um, mm-hmm. what happened as to why he never got the contact information, or if he got it, maybe he chose not to connect with me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we have two questions coming out of the chat, because people are asking okay. for clarification. So okay. the first question is, how did you know you had siblings? Because in the adoption records, it was listed there. It had my mom's name, and then it had my sister's name listed also. Okay, okay. And so that that answers the second question. How did she know the sister's name? So you just okay. you just clarified that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so for twelve years after finding your sister, you were then. Searching for your father. Correct. Yes. And and then you found your father. Now, how did you find your father? I had been in contact, like I said, with my uncle, who may be listening tonight. <laughs> um, and he said that he gave my father the information. Um, and... That's all he could do at that point. He, you know, it would be up to my father to to contact me. Um, it was a number of maybe two or three years after I spoke with my uncle. We 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 had um, a relationship. We were in communication with each other via phone calls and letters and pictures, um, but still nothing from my dad. So I called my uncle one night, and I said, you know what, it's been a couple of years now, and evidently he does not want to talk with me. You know, I guess I'm kind of okay with it, but I'd really like to know why. Um, And he says he really couldn't answer that because he's given him the information. And he says, well, and this is when I was living in the Chicago area. No, I was living where I am now, out of Chicago and into Rockford. Um, He says, you know what? You have an aunt in Milwaukee that um, our sister says, you know what, I'm going to give you her name and number, and I want you to give her a call and have her call him, and I bet you he'll call you then. So I called her and told her who I was, and we talked for a while, and after we hung up, my phone rang, and it was my dad. Oh, and he okay. and he told me he never knew anything. And see, that's where the discrepancy comes in. I'll never know what really happened or what really transpired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm so happy that I was finally able to talk with my father. And um, he was in tears. He was so happy, and he knew that when he was shipped out of Germany, uh, my mom was um, pregnant with me. So he um, had never seen me or pictures of me or anything. Um, So um, we started a letter-writing campaign, talked on the phone, sent pictures, and blah, 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 blah. So it ended up being pretty much a positive experience, and I was happy to have, you know, found him and still not having found my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And before you ask, I'll tell you this, and this is the very saddest part, that um, I never got to see my dad alive. Um, We always said we were going to go visit each other. Um, I was working at the time, had a family, so it was kind of hard to get away, and he lived in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the only time I did get to see him was at his funeral. Oh, yes, that that is sad. But you did you did talk to him. Mhm. You did have that that talk. Well, there's someone who would like to know, did you pull your father's military records? No, I wasn't able to do that. No, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I just had um the information that was submitted in the German records. Um and I went about it that way. Mm-hmm. And the military is really not that uh, cooperative. Um, you get a lot of runaround if you ask for assistance because every, pretty much everyone that I've helped that's gone um, to a VA office or contacted the military, they've pretty much been told that, you know, they've never heard of that person, mm-hmm. uh, that person's deceased, or we don't have that information, Um so they've really been given the runaround quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, what exactly, I mean, I know you have this, this, you're a search consultant and you also are with the Black German Cultural Society. So tell us exactly what do you do uh, as a search consultant? Okay, as a search consultant, someone will come to me asking me to find either their mom birth mother over in Germany or their birth father here in the United States. Um, I'll look at their information and see what they have. Um, And if they have, like, their father's name, address, phone number, if they have a lot of information, you know, I'll try to contact him um, or I'll see what I can dig up on the person. Um, If they have their mother's name or if they need their mother's name, I'll suggest that they write to the area in Germany where the records are kept and ask for an updated address for the person. Um, Mm -hmm. And then kind of go from there. Um, Sometimes I can help them and sometimes I can't. So it's pretty much a a search that I will do for them. Sometimes people want to do their own searches, and I will kind of guide them along um, as much as I can. Now, in in your search process, do you find family members who are open and uh, willing to meet with um, with the brown baby or with the child or the adult child? Most of the time, yes. Um. There's only been one person that's gotten smart with me um, um, when I contacted a a birth father. um, And I guess his main issue was wanting to know how I got his unlisted telephone number. Um, And I had spoken with his sister who gave it to me and asked me not to tell him. Um, but I told him that I found it on the Internet or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And after I told him why I was calling and who I was and why I was calling, he was really happy, and he had been looking for his child also, but he didn't know how to go about it. 
So for the most part, mm-hmm. people are pretty much like that I've worked with are accepting. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's a, a couple of questions coming out. Once again, uh, does uh, do you uh, ask people to take a DNA test? No, I don't. That's up to them. That's up if to I them. found somebody um, and connect them. Yes. Um, they're on their own. Um, I always like to know how things are going, but that would be most definitely up to them. Mm-hmm. But your role they want is to, to make the connection. That is correct. Okay, and then there's an, another question coming out about you and uh, meeting your mother. Mm-hmm. They'd like to know about that. Okay, well, of course, like I am right now, I was super, super nervous. Um when uh, my husband with, went with me, my birth mom now lives over here in the United States, um, and she lives in Virginia. And um, let me regress just a little bit. Um, Certainly. When I met my mom, can I go ahead and tell you the story about meeting her and then lead up to that? Oh, certainly. Okay. Um, Being at the time, I didn't know how to search for people. So um, I did know enough to write over to Germany for my mother's records because I had joined a group, um, Geboiner Deutscher. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an online Internet group for German-born adoptees. Mm -hmm. And um, Leonie Boyberma was their search consultant, and she um, suggested that I write to Germany and get my birth mom's current address, Um, and it was given to me, and she came over to the United States um, as a single woman um, into Kansas. So since Kansas records were not on the Internet, um, I had to hire a searcher to go and you know, perform the search for me. And it happened to be a woman in the same city in Kansas as, you know, where my mom had come, had moved to. So she contacted me in a couple of weeks and told me she had found her and my birth mom had um, moved to Virginia. So, and she gave me her her contact information. Um, So I called her on the phone and she at first denied that she was my mom, that I had the wrong lady. So I called the searcher back, and, and she says, no, no, you call her again. And, you know, people sometimes deny. So I called her back, crying, of course, and told her I didn't want to cause any problems or anything, but I just kind of wanted some answers to questions that I had. Um, and then she said, yes, I'm your mom. And, you know, Cora said, you know, you're, you're – heart sinks to your knees and everything. Oh, um, yes, I can imagine. Yes. 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 So we had a phone conversation, and she sent me um, a picture of herself. Um, and then this was in 1991. Um, so we talked on the phone um, for a year or so, and I told her that um, I'd like to come and meet her at least once in my life. Um, and she was a professional seamstress, and she sewed for a lot of the congressmen and senators' wives um, in D.C. Um, so she 
had people over to her house, and she also went out, you know, um, to to visit people at their homes and blah, blah, blah. So I told her, you know, if we could meet at a restaurant or or whatever, you know, I'm not going to hold her long, just want to see her at least once. Um, and she mm-hmm. says that would be fine. Um, and that when we got to town, just give her a call. Um, and she would come and she would meet us. And my husband went with me. So when we got to um, Virginia, I called her, and she says, oh, uh, I want you to come over to my house. Um, um, You can come. I'll give you the directions how to get here and blah, blah, blah. I says, to your house. I said, I don't know if I want to do that or not. So Mm -hmm. she says, oh, no. She says, I tell you what I did. She says, I really, really love you. You know, she says, um... Uh, we have a good relationship and stuff. And she said she'd been married to, to her husband with whom she has three sons um, for like 50, well, it wasn't 50 years at that time, but she'd been with them, you know, for a number of years. And she said, I just told him before he was going to work, listen, I have a child and she found me from Germany and she's here to meet me and I just want to let you know. And he says that... um I cry every time I say this. That that's wonderful. That have her come over and call the boys and have them come and meet their sister. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Mhm. I, oh, I can. I, I know that was just a very emotional uh, meeting. Oh, it was. And to have her, to have her invite you over and have the boys and wow, that's that's oh, yeah. that's really emotional. Oh, yes, very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break and come right back. Okay. Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time where I will have a lineup of experts to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. I want you to remember that all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. And you have been listening to genealogist Henrette Kane. She is a genealogist and search consultant, and she has just shared with us her how she reunited with her birth family. She also helps others, and I have... Uh, Peggy Blow on the line right now, and 
Henriette helped her. And so, Peggy, are you online? I am here, Bernice. How are you? Well, hello. And I'd like you to just share with us your story. And, Henriette, please chime in. Yes, please chime in. Hi, Peggy. Hello, Henrietta. How are you this evening? Ah, I'm very good, and you? Oh, good, danke. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, why don't you share with us your story? Some people had an opportunity to see the documentary. And so, Peggy, I'd like you to share with us what it was like growing up as a brown baby and finally connecting with your German family. Wow. Uh, It was quite extraordinary, to say the least. Uh, Henrietta has probably already mentioned uh, that we have known each other since high school. I won't say how long ago that was. And uh, we shared a very tight friendship back then, and luckily... I went to a class reunion a few years back, I would say about seven years back, and the first person I saw when I walked into the Holiday Inn was Henrietta. And in catching up over the years, uh, she told me what she was doing, I told her what I was doing, and both my parents had passed, and uh, she knew that I had always wanted to get some answers to some questions that I had had, had always had, And so she was able to provide me with the opportunity. Um, I had been asking the wrong questions and writing to the Stundesamt for paperwork, and she directed me to the proper documents, and that's when everything changed. Um, I sent an inquiry to the Stundesamt in Karlsruhe, which is the city where I was born, Mm -hmm. and what I got back was far more than what I asked for. Um, my query was for my international birth certificate, and I got back reams of information, and it was quite overwhelming. Um, I grew up believing I was an only child and found out uh, upon receiving these documents that I was actually the third of six children that my biological mother had. And after finding out this information, Henrietta suggested that we... Proceed with a search, starting with my older brother, since even though he may or may not have gotten married, the last name would not have changed, and that would be the easier search. And in so doing, we found everybody. (laughs) It was quite (laughs) something. Uh, uh, At that time, I had just lost a friend here in Los Angeles, and a matter of days later discovered that my older brother was in the throes of some very critical health issues and uh, subsequently passed. But the good news is that he was aware that his sister was looking for him before we passed. And one of the first stops that we made when uh, we went to Germany, and I will backtrack and tell you how that happened, um, we went to Wachhäuser, which is where he resided prior to his passing. Um, when that when when my friend died and I discovered that my brother had just passed and this happened within a couple of weeks of each other, it was rather painful and I decided, eh, maybe I don't want to do this search after all. Until so I called Henrietta, told her this, and she was most compassionate and understood completely and complied with me wanting to just let the whole thing go. Mm-hmm. And then about four months later, three four months later, she called me back. 
to say that an opportunity had arisen because she had been contacted by Kangum Films out of Berlin, and they wanted to do a documentary on brown babies. Mm-hmm. And they asked her to select someone with whom she could travel for seven days and go to Germany and do a search. And my extraordinary good fortune was that she selected me. And there we were uh, on a plane. I flew from Los Angeles to D.C. <laughs> and met Henrietta and the production crew who had just flown in from Berlin. Mm-hmm. And we all took a flight from Washington, D.C. to Frankfurt. And it was like a dream from the moment I got on the plane in Los Angeles. I just was blown away that this whole thing was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, to backtrack, you had asked me what it was like growing up in the States as a brown baby. Um, oh, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it had its ups and downs. Uh, my parents were great. They were they were extraordinary people, and I feel myself very fortunate to have been adopted by them mm-hmm. and brought to the states. Um, well, being brown in the United States anywhere is a bit of a challenge, particularly back then. Mm-hmm. And one's background, one's biological background, didn't matter. Uh, if you were brown, you were black. So there you have yes. it. Yes. Yes. And um, it 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 was not difficult, only because. I was a very smart kid, and I had survival skills, and I have no doubt that that was due to the fact of my beginnings, and I knew mm-hmm. how to survive any situation. Mm-hmm. So I plunged myself into survival mode and made it through the gauntlet of Jim Crow and all these other things that were divisive, and managed to eke out a really wonderful life, quite frankly, uh, with great support from my parents, from my family here in the States. And um, that career that I developed in acting took me to a very wonderful place. And um, again, I got, got with Henrietta, and then we go to Frankfurt, mm-hmm. and the third stop was Karlsruhe. And that was the day... I got to, for the first time in my life, lay eyes on one of my siblings, Margarita Banhosu, who is my sister. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet her and her two daughters, my nieces. <laughs> oh, I can imagine that experience. Uh, and her you know, one niece has come to visit her in the United States already. They have yes. come to visit you. Yes, one of them has, yes. 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 And my niece Claudia came. Um, we got back from Germany the end of September, and she mm-hmm. came the next month. It was great. Mm-hmm. And the familial uh, look of us, the resemblance was so strong that whenever Claudia and I went out together, people thought she was my daughter. Oh. <laughs> Which was a wonderful mm-hmm. feeling. And I tell you, Bernice, my German family embraced me immediately. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. I was going into this completely in the blind mm-hmm. and just took a deep breath and, and did it, and I'm so glad I did. Yeah. 
And when we got to the house, after we climbed up, what, seven flights of stairs? <laughs> yes, I noticed that you were a little winded. <laughs> yes, as I was panting and trying to talk. Um, they were just so nonchalant and easygoing. And I asked them the next day, did, were they expecting us? They said, oh, no, nine, nine, nine. We knew that Peggy was coming one day, that Margita Mar- Mar- was coming one day because the other sister had come. So they were expecting Peggy to come at any time to find them. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, so natural. Um, and they definitely welcomed her with open arms. Why? Well, Peggy, I noticed uh, that you were shown a picture of your mother. Was that your father in the picture with her in the documentary? No, but it was a gentleman who looked very much like my father. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, his name, uh, the, the man in the picture with her is Heinz Rolf Rolfus. That was the last husband that uh, she married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it it just sounds like it's a, it was a, a wonderful experience for you and Henriette. Um, yes. It for you to have uh, participated and facilitated this process. Uh, just how long was it? I mean, did it take? Um, we had an incorrect address for uh, Peggy's sister, um, and that's surprising because German record keeping is really pretty accurate. Um, But for some reason, this was missed. We went to the wrong house. I would say it took uh, maybe three months or so. We were working with a German genealogist as well um, um, that helped us along. Mm -hmm. And um, um, so I would say it was about three months. Mhm, mhm. And before we left, um I wasn't allowed to tell Peggy, um, but I had found her sister that had come to the United States before her, her oldest the oldest child of um the siblings, um of which I found and connected with her after you know, her return. Mm-hmm. Um but that was a, a that didn't take that long, a week or something like that, when I was finally able to get a, a hold of her. But I would like for Peggy to tell you about what happened at the cemetery when we were there. Um, do you want to tell them about that? Sure, sure. It, that was a movie magic moment. Um, yes. I, I don't think Spielberg could have done it any better. Uh, we had finally found the grave. It took what felt to me like forever, but then it was my personal experience, so every minute was an hour. And we walked, and we searched, and we walked, and we searched. It's a huge cemetery. And we got we had gotten there um, in the mid-afternoon, and it was approaching their closing time. We hadn't found the grave yet, and um, I was getting a little anxious about that because I knew we wouldn't be coming back because the uh, production company had a schedule to keep. Well, we went back to the comfort station, and the gentleman who was manning uh, his post was most gracious and found the grave on the paperwork. And we piled into a golf cart, and he drove us to it. And when we got there, we had walked past this spot several times, but it had grown over. And without 
any encouragement from anyone. I, my body just reacted, and I got down on the ground, and I started pulling away weeds and overgrowth, and others got down on the ground and helped me. And at the very moment, Bernice, that her headstone, her marble headstone was exposed, the sun came from behind a cloud oh, like, a follow, wow. like a follow spot and displayed the headstone. At the same time, I didn't realize it at that moment, but at the same time, Henrietta was behind me on the phone, speaking, I guess, to the German genealogist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when she completed her call with the sun shining over my shoulder onto my birth mother's headstone, she says to me, are you ready to meet your sister? And that call happened happened at the moment my mother's headstone was Mm -hmm. exposed. It was quite something. Quite yes. something. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, mm. it surely was. Yes, it it sounds like it. Well, we're going to take another break. Thank you so much, Peggy. And we're going to take another quick break. And then coming on uh, next, we will hear from Shirley Gentler Price. She is the president of the Black German Cultural Society, and she also has an interesting uh, story to share with us about a brown baby connecting with her family. and Beyond Blog Talk Radio, and we have been discussing brown babies, Germany's forgotten children. But one of the things that we've also heard is that the connections are being made. And Henrietta Kane is a search consultant, and she has helped facilitate some of those connections. And so I'm really happy to bring on Shirley Gentler-Price, She is the president of the Black German Cultural Society, Incorporated, located in Pennsylvania. And she is an adoptee, and she's going to share with us her story. Shirley? Hello. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Henrietta. How are you? Hi, Shirley. Okay. Uh, Bernice, uh, I would really like to uh, thank you for your interest in hearing the stories of the uh, forgotten brown babies of Germany, and I'd also like to personally thank you for interviewing Henrietta Kane. She is truly, truly our special search angel, and she's been personally responsible for reuniting many of us with our biological families, and I am just so honored to be able to call her my friend. 
Well, it's wonderful it. for you to, to be a part of this conversation. It's yes, a conversation it that we all need to hear about because it's something that happened during World War II, and now we just need to talk. And so, Henriette, someone is saying you are a treasure. Oh, and so, so thank you so much for, for being who you are and for for doing this. And so, Shirley, share with us uh, information about the Black German Cultural Society and then tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. <clears throat> actually, the Black German Cultural Society was actually a result of my searching for my uh, biological family. Um, I was born to a German-Jewish mother and given up for adoption at the age of three. Uh, I was adopted by a young African-American military couple. Um, after my adoption, we actually did two more tours of duty in Germany. And during our second tour of duty, my parents attempted to adopt another brown baby, a male child, but unfortunately the adoption fell through and we had to take him back to the orphanage. Um, I actually still have this picture, although I have no idea who he actually grew up to be. Um, I grew up on military bases across the United States and Germany, and the military bases were actually a safe haven for me because of their multiracial and multicultural environment. I encountered most of my problems in civilian life while staying with extended family members. Uh, overall, I had a good relationship with my extended family. However, growing up in black America was not easy. Uh, as a child, as Henrietta mentioned, I too was called a Nazi, a crowd. I was mocked for the way that I spoke. And some children thought that they would get German measles from me, so they actually Aww. didn't want to play, play with me. Mm -hmm. um, but at a very early age, I actually began to feel ashamed of my German heritage. Um, I kept it to myself for many, many years, and just as our adopted white counterparts have assimilated into white America, we have actually assimilated into black America, and many of us just didn't talk about our, um, our German heritage. Mm -hmm. um, my awakening, as I like to call it, actually took place in 1997 at the Million Woman March in Philadelphia. Um, I discovered that a woman, an Afro-German woman, um, had attended the march from Germany. I had never heard the term before, Afro-German, but it, it resonated with me. I immediately started researching Afro-Germans on the Internet. Um, I soon discovered that there was actually an Afro-German community in Germany. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I then learned about a book titled Showing Our Colors, Afro-German Women Speak Out. It was the first book I had ever read that spoke to my own history of being a German brown baby. 
finally mm-hmm. there was information that validated my existence. My life was not a figment of my imagination. And as I read it, I, I cried like a baby. The book literally became like a Bible to me. And all of the women in the book were actually, they, they became my heroes. After reading the book, I felt courageous enough to actually search for my birth family. I found my birth mother and a younger half-brother living in Brooklyn, about a two-hour drive from my home in Philadelphia. Oh, they my goodness. Yeah, they had immigrated uh, to the United States, I believe, in 1965. I also met a younger half-sister from Texas who had also been adopted by an African-American military couple. And I also have another half-brother who remained in Germany who I've spoken to but I've not met face-to-face. Unfortunately, I don't have any information about my birth father. The only thing my birth mother would tell tell me about him was that he was a black soldier from Rochester, New York, and that he sent money for me until I was adopted, and she then moved on to France. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As time went on, I began to meet other brown babies, beautiful people like Henrietta Kane and Nancy Schneider, and even the woman who was at the Million Woman March. Her name is Yelga Lehman. And in meeting them and other Afro-Germans, I began to feel a sense of pride and a a sense of self-respect from then on we were determined to find other brown babies, young or old, living here in the States or abroad. And in 1999, we founded the Black German Cultural Society for the purpose of celebrating our dual heritage of being both German and African American, and to, to educate the, the public about the Afro-Black German experience and history. Uh, One of the things that I would like to say to those German brown babies that are still out there feeling alone and feeling isolated, we are not victims. We are survivors. And the Black German Cultural Society is here to offer support and community. Right now, we're currently reconstructing our website. However, we can be reached through our Facebook page, the official Black German Cultural Society. Wow, that is wonderful to know that the organization exists to unite people, to say we do exist and we have a dual culture to share with each other. Exactly, and we can be proud of all of who we are, our German heritage, as well as our African-American heritage. That is so true. That's right. Well, what is the difference between the Black German Heritage and Research Association and the Black German Cultural Society? Um, To be quite honest with you, we are not affiliated, and they would probably have to explain to you any differences that they may perceive. 
Okay. And for those people who would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, they could actually find us on Facebook. It's called the Official Black German Cultural Society. Or they can email us at bgsc.hq at gmail.com. Okay. I'm sorry, bgsc.hq at gmail.com. And we'll be more than happy to respond to their emails and put them in touch with uh, other German brown babies. Shirley, would you like to um, talk about the upcoming event? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. For those that live in the Philadelphia area, we will be sharing information about the Black German Cultural Society at the Pennsylvania Convention Center uh, during the Black History and Culture Showcase, which is going to be held March the 30th and the 31st, and the admission is free. Okay, and say that date again. It is? Sure. It is March 30th and 31st at the Pennsylvania Convention Center during the Black History and Culture Showcase. Okay. Also, uh, someone wanted to just clarify uh, your Gmail. Would you say it one more time, please? Sure. B G C S, which is B G C S. Okay. Yes. Dot H Q. Mhm. At gmail dot com. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Sure. Well, it actually stands for Black German Cultural Society Headquarters. At gmail dot com. Okay. Um, and now I just want to open the, the, the floor for anyone who who's in the chat or you're on the phone. If you would like to ask a question, please call 646-200-0491 and press 1 to speak to the host. Now, right now I have Henrietta on the line. I have uh, Shirley on the line, and I also have uh, – Nancy, I have a question coming in right now, and so I'm going to Peggy, if you like. Okay, and I, of course, and Peggy is still on the line. That's right. So I have a question coming in right now, and that's from area code eight one five. You have a question or a comment eight one five, and right now the 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 line is still rolling, so you haven't gone live yet. You will go live in a few seconds. Okay, 815, you're live. You have a question or comment? Yes, I do. First of all, Henrietta, that's my mom, and I love you, and you're doing a great job. Well, thank you, son. Well, thank you. uh, What I was wondering is, are you going to do a book, or or are you going to do any more documentaries? I don't know about anything right now. I I am going to be working on a book, but it's going to pretty much be a family history book. That's all. Um, There are some things that we might have in the works in the future, but nothing definite right now. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that were looking to find relatives. Um, I know a lot of people myself. And and are you going to start your business and really push it this year? Yes. 
go to yes, the next son. level? Yes, son, I'm going to. Okay. Yes, well, I uh, am. Everyone, everyone is here supporting you, and, and we're tearing up over your testimony, and, you know, we love you. And <laughs> well, we love you, too. Yes, and we well, love thank you, too, Peggy. You. All right. Okay. Now we're going to just take a. I'm I'm putting you on 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 a lot of breaks because we do have a lot of people who are calling in, and Mm -hmm. uh, there was a a child who played uh, Toxie in the Mm -hmm. 1950s film, also about brown babies. Whatever happened to that child? And and perhaps one of you can tell us what 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 was Toxie all about? Okay, Toxie was a pretty much a propaganda film as far as I can, I would say, um, that was made in 1952, and it was about a black German child, Afro-German girl, um, whose mom, I believe, passed away, and her grandmother was taking care of her, and she was sick and gave her to a family to take care of, and the meanwhile, she was looking for, trying to contact the girl's father, and basically, it showed that in the end, the little girl was rescued by her um, black American father, and he came and got her and took her to America, and there she lived happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Elfrida Tigert. Um, I might be pronouncing her last name. I'm not for sure, but I think it is. She um, ended up marrying an African, I believe, and moved to Africa. I believe she's maybe not with him anymore and came back to Germany for a while, but I think she might have um, moved back to Africa. I'd asked um, a professor friend that I know that knows her kind of, um, and she doesn't like to talk with people um, Mm -hmm. about that experience, but I'm still going to try as hard as I can to to get in touch with her and talk with her at least one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you say it was a propaganda. Different. Yes, it you was said it was to, a propaganda film, and so it, the purpose was? To take the um, black German children to America um, where, you know, they would have a better life and get them out of pure white Germany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my personal opinion. Maybe someone has a different view or opinion or assessment of it. That that's been my opinion of the film. Yes. Yeah, yeah me it, too. it did appear. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Uh, I think that it was a platform upon which the airlift that were taking place to get black kids out of Germany. Uh, it, it substantiated those airlifts. Mm-hmm. And the airlifts were performed by, um, were headed by a lady by the name of Mabel Grammer. And Bernice had mentioned the article in Jet Magazine, and Shirley can elaborate on that because she's um, spoken with some of the people, and I know one person that was on one of the airlifts, but she's dealt with more people and she has more information regarding that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on Shirley's blog, which is mochajudin.com, um, is it archived in your blog, Shirley? Um, actually, it is. I have a page dedicated to German brown babies, and on that page 
I actually um, got permission from the woman who'd been saving all of these jet magazines going all the way back to the 1950s and the 1940s. And um, there was just so much information documented in the jet magazine about um, German brown babies starting probably about 19... And when I first discovered them, I was just shocked because I'd never seen a jet magazine with any information about German brown babies. And, you know, like every other black family in America, we have plenty of jet magazines and plenty of ebony magazines in our homes. And never once did I see that information So I actually uh, received permission from the woman who owned the magazines to post some of the photographs on my blog, and and they're they're amazing. The the, the information is absolutely amazing. Yes, I I looked at some of those articles, and it's just like you're stepping back in time Mm -hmm. and reading the the history. I mean, Jet uh, Magazine definitely documented what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. they did. Yeah, exactly. they surely did. Yes, yeah, so um, we're going to right. take a break, and then uh, Nancy is online. Nancy, you're online? Right. Yes, Okay, Nancy, Nancy, Hi, Nancy, we're going to take a quick break, come right back, and then we'll we'll bring you on. Great. Okay. National Archives and Beyond. Uh, you have been listening to several uh, several women who have been involved with the uh, Black German Cultural Society. They are black, they are German, and they have reunited with their families. Uh, Nancy, before I bring you on, I do have a question coming in from Area Code 214. Area Code 214, do you have a question or a comment? Yes, hi Bernice. Hello, uh, Barbara, and I'm. Um, I've been a, a previous guest on Bernice's show, and I just want to say to all of these ladies, they all have remarkable stories, and I'm so happy to hear uh, that they've had that they've been so that Henriette has been so resourceful in finding her own information and also helping others. Um, Thank you. One of my questions is, have any of you used DNA as a resource 
to gain any information beyond, uh, you know, did you do that in your search? And I'll and anybody can answer. Uh, I took a DNA test um, within the last couple of years, but it was to find relatives, particularly on my um, birth father's side, to be able to expand my um, family research. Um, but anyone else that I've worked with, um, they have not yet, but people have talked about doing it. Okay, well, I take that back. There is a friend of mine who I'm trying to find her dad. Um, she took a DNA test, and she called me the weekend and told me, yes, she had gotten some matches, um, and she was waiting to hear back from some relatives um, because I've had trouble locating her father. Um uh-huh. And I'm hoping that's going to make a difference. Um, but before then, to to work to get a match, no, it hadn't been done with my experiences. Right, right. Yeah. Well, okay. it's, it's really it's really an amazing journey that you all had to take. Um, you know, and it it just also speaks to the diversity within the African American culture itself. That's um, so true. Everybody yeah. has a story, and mm-hmm. it, you know we really touch almost all corners of the globe. Yes, it, we it do. Really is, yeah. It's really fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, I um, This is. Uh, I'm. I'm sorry. This is Peggy. Um, I contacted my father's son to do a DNA test with him because well, uh, my paternity seems to be in question. Uh-huh. When I was in Germany with my sister. Uh, I showed her a picture of my father, the only father I know, and the man who raised me. And she said that she said that's not your daddy. Mm-hmm. And I was quite taken aback, I, you know, because I just made that that was just an innate assumption on my part. Right. And um, she insisted. She said no, no. She said the man you left Germany with is not your biological father. Your biological father was Puerto Rican, and he left Germany before you were born. And I had to ask her, how would you possibly know that? You're two years younger than me. And she said that she overheard as a child, you know, when she was like nine, ten years old, she kept hearing, overhearing this argument that our mother would have with uh, the man she was with uh, about me and my father. So I said, well, then Henrietta and I talked about this. Uh, and she told me early on, she said, Peggy, she said, do not be surprised if, uh Blow is not your father, which I immediately went into denials because I, he was my dad, and he was the only dad I knew. And just as a child, as a little bitty child, he was who I ran to. I had no reticence about that at all and grew up a daddy's girl. So um, having taken this journey this far, this is the last puzzle piece for me. So I contacted uh, my father's son, John D. Blow Jr., and uh, he said he would be more than happy to do a DNA test with me. Wow. That's great. I wish you good luck with that, Peggy. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay, there's a question coming out of of the chat. Has there been any thought given to establishing a DNA project? to assist in locating siblings, in other words, getting the African-Americans to submit 
uh, DNA samples. Well, I'll speak up. As far as I know, we hadn't really discussed that. We talked about a database of something different, but that's a really good suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we have, yes, one more question coming out of the chat, and then we're going to bring Nancy Snyder on. Uh, area code 972, you have a question or a comment? Area code nine seven two. Do you have a question or a comment? Yes, I have a question. Yes. Uh, and hello, Bernice. Hello, Ms. Hello. My name is Tina Griffin. Can you hear me? Yes. My question is um, for Ms. Kane. Do you have? Were you in Germany long enough to have childhood memories? And if so, what are your most pleasant memories from living in Germany as a child? Okay, as a child, I remember living on the Army base with my adoptive parents. And um, we lived at one of the back buildings where there was a really big field and playgrounds. And and the um, German um, shepherds, sheep herders, would bring their sheep and herd them, you know, back there eating grass. We'd go out, I'd go out and play with them. They'd have um, um, the little wagons come around with the German foods and the snacks and the gummy bears and the special drinks and the candies and the um, bratwurst, vice versa, and a lot of the other delicacies. Um, and going into town, the people were always friendly to my family, maybe because we were spending money, you know, I don't know. Um, but I can say that going into the German villages and all were, were positive experiences, and, yes, I do remember those. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank Nancy? You. Yes? Okay, Nancy is the uh, vice president of the Black German Cultural Society, and she is an adoptee who was adopted and brought up in Germany. And so, Nancy, why don't you share with us your story? Well, you know, I'm born and raised in Germany, as you said, and um, my father was um, African-American, and my mother was German, and... um, I spent my first three years in a German orphanage and then was adopted by a German family and basically was raised by them. And um, then by the age of three, between three and four, um, when the adoption was through, I was not allowed to have any contact with my biological mom anymore. So basically, I was then raised um, primarily by my adoptive parents. And... um, and my whole childhood and youth there. And then later in my life, uh, basically at the beginning very isolated because in the school system where I went to, there weren't a lot of um, Germans of African descent at all, you know. I um, The only um, kind of connection I had with with um, African Americans was because my my school was located in the American sector. I uh, grew up in Berlin, 
Uh-huh. And basically, you met um, soldiers on the train, and so that was kind of my my connection. And so to see people um, who were not white, but um, then in, I think in my school uh, during the time I went to school, there were I think altogether three. Yeah, we were three children who who were not white, and then mm-hmm. um, and everybody else. So that was basically, and they all had um, white parents, so all were white, um, raised by white parents. And when I was 15, I got in contact with other Germans of African or um, heritage, and um, and I found out about a group that was founded in Germany called the ISD, the okay. Initiative of Black Germans, and I joined them, and that was basically kind of the time where I started reflecting on who I am and kind of also um, finding my own identity and and wondering, you know, um, where my stand in, in the German society is of the... So and after that, um, at the beginning of my twenties, I moved to the United States, and I basically lived um, from then on in Chicago, with short mm-hmm. interruptions. Though, so I moved back to um, Germany <laughs> for two years. But now I'm here, back here again, and um, so that is my story. I know both my biological parents I've met, and I really was not spectacular. I really didn't have to look extremely hard, you know, um, because um, I got in contact with a lot of friends who really had a very interesting journey in order to find their birth parents. Um, I was kind of lucky because my birth mother was looking for me, so I, that was very easy. Um, because the German law said as soon as you turn 18, you know, you are allowed to get in contact with your um, biological parents again. So my Mm -hmm. mother did that. And um, also my father um, spent a long time looking for me and searching for me from the United States. So there uh, there were records there as well. I mean, he did not succeed, and I think the the problematic was that um, he was kind of deceived, I think, by by both governments, because I think the German government as well as the, um, the American government and army were not very helpful in terms of helping families who wanted to stay together, who had uh-huh. children, uh-huh. and um, to support them in raising their children. You know, basically, the the, the what I heard of most stories ended that the fathers were kind of sent back or kind of placed on a different base, yeah. and so that they did not. Uh, to make it easy for them, kind of, you know, that's mm-hmm. how they put it, and no matter if they wanted to or not. So, and um, and the children in a different time period were mostly placed for adoption or put in orphanages, and um, the mothers had a very hard time in order to keep them and, and, and feel supported. Mm-hmm. And in my particular situation was that... Um, um, my father never agreed to the adoption. So 
So he huh? he then um, later told me when I met him that you know he received a letter um, asking them if he would agree, and he he responded he would not, and he is planning to to get me to the United States. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, that letter was lost. And basically, I have a letter in my files that they said um, the German government said that they couldn't find him. And um, therefore, so, but, you know, they didn't tell him. So he continued paying child support till I was 14, even though and nobody knows where actually the money was paid to. So oh, um, wow. during that time. So therefore, you know, I had a lot of material and his family was aware of me. And I think there was a big help. So there was not a big secret, you know, my existence. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very easy to get in contact with them and to locate them then and um so I had the chance to to get in contact with my father when I yes. was and how old 22. were you when you met oh 22 years old 22 years old yes mhm mhm mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I guess that's probably a, a very uh rewarding feeling to know that your father did not agree to give you up and that he continued mm-hmm. to to search for you Yes, I think so. You know, it is rewarding. It is. Um, I think for my, for me personally, um, it's a very important part from both parents that you kind of feel there was some love for you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. You know that you had um, a special place for them in their heart. You know, I'm not resenting or, you know, regretting my upbringing. You know, I have a very loving relationship with my adopted family, but, you know, it feels good to that it, it, um, the situation took place because the circumstances were complicated and difficult and Mm -hmm. very much political influenced, I would say at that time. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, we're getting close to uh, the end of the show, but I don't want to close off this show without telling people about resources. And um, uh, Shirley, you were going to tell us about the uh, GI Trace uh, International. Um, Yes, actually, that is a Facebook group, and it is called the GI, um, GI and International Search, and what they do is they um, have searchers who will seek out GI fathers, American GI fathers, all across the world, whether it's Germany or if it's in Poland or wherever there were military bases, and um, GIs were stationed and perhaps had children, they actually search out these fathers for the individuals. And you can find them on uh, Facebook, and it's called the GI and International Search. Okay, and thank you. And then, uh, Henrietta, are you only focusing your search uh, strategies on uh, brown babies from Germany, or are you broadening your uh, search uh, process? I I do searches for anyone, um, not just um, brown babies. Okay. So anyone that's looking for 
a family member or friend can contact me. And please tell us one more time how they can contact you. Okay. Okay, you can contact me on Facebook. It's Sunco Family Research, S-U-N-C-O, Family Research. My Gmail address is Henriette, H-E-N-R-I-E-T-T-E, dot Kane, C-A-I-N, at gmail.com. Um, I have a longer Gmail account, suncofamilyresearch at gmail.com. I also have a blog, which is a registry for black Germans looking for their family members. It really needs to be updated, and I'm working on, in the back, getting everything updated, and then I'm going to put it on. And that website is www dot black german searches dot blog spot dot com okay so that's www dot black german searches backslash blog say it again blogspot dot com no. okay www dot black german searches dot blogspot dot com Okay. Do all of you have that? Okay. And also, before we hang up, I'd oh, like we're not Nancy hanging up yet. <laughs> oh, okay. But I do want Nancy to get an opportunity to tell about the book that she's writing um, from the father's perspective, African American father's perspective. Um, if she would be able to do that, sure. Um, I've had um, fathers contact me. Um, asking me if anyone's looking for them, <laughs> and they give me their name and ask me to keep it in their database privately and then contact them if someone is. And then I've had the fathers who um, have given me their search information who are looking for their children. Um, okay, um, and then there's a question coming out of the chat. Is the Facebook just for German babies? Official Black German Cultural Society Facebook page. Um, No, at this particular time, it doesn't have to be. You 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 don't have to be a German brown baby in order to uh, join the group or like our page. Okay, and so I just need really I have just one more question, and that's for (laughs) any of you. Uh, have you uncovered any surprises as you have gone through your search? And then what are your parting words? Surprises, I can't say that I really have personally. Um, right off the top of my head, I can't, but I do want to say anyone that's looking for your family members, um, please don't give up. It might not happen today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I do have some search cases that are, have been open several years. Um, there's always any little tidbit of information might help solve the case. Just never, ever, ever give up. Okay. And I'd like to say, too, I'd like to say, too, this is Peggy, um, 
I think the biggest surprise for me was having been told I was an only child, even in my search, which was for my biological mother, um, when I found out that I was the third of six children, I think that was the biggest whammo of all. Oh, I can um, imagine. Yeah. 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 Uh, even with the adoption business looming, I still thought I was an only child. Uh, so that was a huge surprise. And of course, uh, my sister telling me that there's a possibility my biological father is not who I think it is was mm-hmm. the second surprise. But mm-hmm. that, of course, was all leveled out by meeting my wonderful sister and her two daughters and uh, connecting with my older sister who is living in Northern California and has been since 1954. Oh. And I've been in California since 1978. And oh. we're just finding each other now. She's a cellist right. with uh, one of the symphony orchestras I mean, uh, in Northern California. Yes. But it's just wonderful yeah. to hear that the, the connection has been made. Indeed, and I agree with Henrietta in saying I encourage everyone who's looking to not give up. Uh, it, it is life-changing. It's life-affirming, regardless uh-huh. of what the results of the actual meeting is. Once you get to know the, your entire self like that, it is indeed life-changing and life-affirming. So continue your search if you haven't found your family yet. Yes, yes. Um, I would like Shirley? to say that, yes, one of the things that I was surprised to find out is how many of us were adopted and brought to the United States. When I was growing up, I thought I was the only little, you know, girl from, you know, that had been adopted from Germany. And I thought that way for many, many years and I was elated and surprised to find that there were so many of us mm-hmm. here. And as I stated earlier, for any of the um, German brown babies who are out there who are still feeling alone or feeling isolated um, and, and feeling in between identities, you know, we are here we are here to support you and create community. And keep in mind, we are not victims. We are survivors. Oh, yes. I love that. Yes, you are not a victim. You are definitely not a victim. You are a survivor. Nancy, yeah. any parting yes. words? Any parting words? Yes, I have actually something that is burning, and I don't want to. I just. <laughs> would like to clarify something um, with, with the term. Um, I just want to raise awareness that the term brown babies actually is a term that has been um, brought upon us, you know, from others, you know. As oh, sure. The, uh, somehow um, the government and society decided that they have to put a name on the children who were born of African American or um, soldiers or um, soldiers with African um, background, and I I totally can see that some of us or you know who have been raised by that um, still identify with that. I myself don't see myself as a brown baby, and I would not okay. consider myself a brown baby, even though, you know, I know what it meant. I think, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, many of us just liberated ourselves from the term and decided to 
to find, you know, some description that would fit them and suit them, you know, and empower yeah. them. And um, so I, just to say, you know, also for those who hear this, to be careful with that term, not everybody feels comfortable being called a brown baby, you know, when they are with that sure. background. Um, this is when one that documentary thing. was when that excuse yeah, me when that it, documentary was made, it and it was labeled that brown mm-hmm. babies. That was the terminology used back in the 1950s. Yes. I yes, think yes. most of the people, most of us use Afro Germans or Black Germans now, but yes. mm-hmm. um, well, that's the terminology that used again. back then. Yes, yes. Well, thank Nancy, you thank you so much for for uh, making that clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Just where this whole term came from, and it's not something that you or many of you embrace as being what you want to be called. Well, for the first time in most of our lives, now that we have come, been given the opportunity to come full circle, we have spent our lives allowing others to label us and to tell us who mm-hmm. we are, mm-hmm. so knowing true. full well that we were not what they said we were. Yeah. Yep. So so we find unique and different ways of identifying. What they call us doesn't matter anymore. It's what we mm-hmm. call ourselves. Yeah. Um, that's right. I I identify as a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are individuals who will have their own acronyms, who will have their mm-hmm. own means of identification. And I think the important thing is for one to come full circle and know oneself. Yeah. And not be affected by what others call you, because heaven knows we, those of us who came to America, we have had our fill of being labeled by others. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true, Peggy. Yeah. Before well, we hang um, Bernice, go ahead. Yes. Um, can Nancy have an opportunity to tell you about her book, a project that she's working on? And, and Nancy, she- you're yes. on. Thank you. Yes, actually, you know, I'm working on a book that is um, – about the children who were born in that time period um, after the Second World War, but from the father's perspective, because, you know, the view of most people is usually that um, those children were born and the fathers left and they didn't care. And now probably um, most likely through my own stories, I found out that actually in many cases it was totally differently, and um, many fathers are actually suffer- suffering that they never had the chance to be mm-hmm. a good father, you know, and they they really um, are hurt by being labeled to be just somebody who a pregnant woman and would leave, you know. Mm-hmm. And it will be a project that kind of reflects on different time periods and also um, tells the story of the child in reflection of the story of the father. And, um, so when can we expect to, to read your book? Actually, you know, I'm, my biggest goal is having it out um, in fall, but I don't know if I'm able to do that because it involves a lot of traveling and funding and things like that. But um, it it should be out this year. It should be out this year. Well, yeah. you, you're mentioning writing a book, and for for those of you who are still in the chat, I'd just like to tell you that my guest for next week is Anita Paul. 
she's the author's midwife, and uh, she helps corporate professionals and successful entrepreneurs and, and others to actually become a published author. And through her Write Your Life program, something, Nancy, that you're talking about doing, new authors overcome the struggles of writing and publishing and marketing a book and learn leveraging their book to achieve success. So I want you, all of you, to tune in next week to listen to Anita. Okay. Uh, the author's midwife. She will help all of us who have that book that we're trying to give birth to. And when you hear midwife, you know what a midwife does. And so that's one of the things that she's going to help us with next week. So I want to just thank you, Henriette. Thank you so much, Shirley, Nancy, Peggy. Thank you. My pleasure. Your stories have really served to enlighten us, to educate us, and to support you. Thank you so much. And for all of you, I want you to remember, your ancestors left footprints. And as you can hear from our guests, they spoke of some of the footprints in Germany, in America, with their black father, with their black mother, with their white mother. And so this is what we're all about. You know, you want to follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history and family records and research at the National Archives and beyond. So I'd really like to just thank everyone for joining research at the National Archives and beyond blog talk radio show. I'll see everyone next week at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And I want you to remember to listen to the African Roots podcast tomorrow with Angela Walton Raji and also nurturing our roots with Antoinette Harrell on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Good night, everyone, and I look forward to you joining me next Thursday. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.